Welcome to Living by Faith. I'm your host, Trillia Newbell, and I am so excited to be here today. I am praying that you are refreshed by God and encouraged in your faith. And that's the goal of this show, is that we would be encouraged and built up and leave here refreshed. That's my prayer. But before we get into that, I'd like to get a little personal. I remember a time when church was very hard for me. I struggled to understand the gospel, so the good news of Jesus. I struggled to understand grace, that I was saved by faith through grace, that it's a free gift. And I struggled to know what is true and what is just man's opinion. I remember a lot of wrestling. I never stopped going to church, but I wasn't sure if I'd ever love the church again. It was a struggle. But there was something, someone greater, pulling me toward that glorious and broken institution, the church. Of course, that person was and continues to be our Lord Jesus. I imagine that there are many listening right now who have been discouraged by what you are seeing in the church. Maybe you've done something wrong and you don't want to go. So you feel condemned or you feel shame or guilt. Maybe you've been hurt. And so because of your own hurt, you are struggling to go to the church. What's helped me is to remember that Jesus loves the church. In Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, God gives us specific instructions for how husband and wives are to relate to one another. But at the same time, he also gives us a beautiful picture of the gospel and how Christian marriage reflects the relationship between Christ and his church. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. I encourage you to go open your Bible and, and look up Ephesians Five for yourself. But here it is. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, as also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, He continues, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Then Paul writes, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, we are prone to focusing only on the commands given to the wife and the husband in this passage. (laughs) But don't miss all that God is saying about what Jesus accomplished through the cross. In Ephesians 5, we get a glimpse into the marital love of Jesus and his bride, the church. The church isn't a pragmatic way to organize Christians for maximum effectiveness. It's way more, far more. The church is the object of Jesus's intense focus in love. Listen to how the New Testament speaks about Jesus's love for the church. Christ is the head of the church. He is the reason the church exists. Without Christ, there's no church. 
Jesus is the Savior of the church. His death made a way for people to approach God, and we are now counted as brothers and sisters in Christ. Christ loved the church. He loved the church and gave himself up for her. It's God's amazing demonstration of his love for us. Jesus sanctifies and cleanses his bride, the church. Jesus stands in our place, interceding for us, and we will one day be present with him, his his bride, and presented as spotless. Christ doesn't hate his body. He nourishes it. Everything I just read, everything I just summarized, it's from the word of God. So I encourage you, run to his scriptures and, and be encouraged. Our motive to love the church isn't in and of ourselves. It's, it's about Jesus. When you read those truths and realize they apply to you, doesn't it make your heart sing? It's amazing how much Jesus loves his people. And we know that these truths aren't in reference to just one select individual, but the church as a whole, all people who have trusted in Jesus for their salvation. If Jesus loves the church this much, there's no doubt that we ought to love it as well. Understanding all that Jesus has done motivates me to press in to love and serve the body. Jesus was sinned against, so will we be as well. The difference is Jesus never sinned. We, however, will sin against our fellow man and need the grace that Jesus has provided. So we need help, don't we? We need help. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to walk out. And we need help understanding how to see grace in the church. That's why I'm so excited to have Caleb Batchelor on the show. Caleb grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is actually where I'm from. He studied at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is currently one of the pastors at First Baptist Church of Boynton. We we practice saying this, Boynton Beach in South Florida. He loves spending (laughs) time outside um, with his wife, Leah, and their three kids, Jane, Bo, and Duke. And he wrote a booklet called Visible Grace, Seeing the Church the Way Jesus Does. Caleb, welcome on the show. So, so good to be talking to you, Trillia. Honestly, I wish you would have just kept on going and we could just cut out all of my sections of what you shared. It was so, so encouraging. What a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon thinking about what you were talking about. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I am glad that you are um, with us this morning and that we get to reflect on and think about the church and seeing the church the way God does. I just think what a what a what a great way to think about the local church. I think we often kind of think about the church and we think about me. We think about us. And so putting that lens on I think is refreshing. So you know, I I read the introduction or a part of your introduction and I loved that your first sentence I believe it's the first sentence says I wouldn't follow myself on Instagram, <laughs> which yeah, I thought, right. okay, so tell us why. I, I kind of know a little bit, but you tell us, why wouldn't we want to follow you on Instagram? 
Sure, sure. Yeah. So before I had kids, I would make fun of all of my friends, how they would just keep on posting. It felt like every day they had a, another post about their kids and, uh, you know, just simple things like them, you know, walking is like, it seemed like they thought their kids were like the first kids to ever walk this earth. Yeah. And uh, I would make fun <laughs> of them before I, before I had kids. And then like, yeah, as you're probably guessing what happened, Jane came and then Vo came and now Duke's here and I'm doing the same thing. And so like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm the person that I was making fun of. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's comical, but as I've reflected on that, just impulse that I have as their father, just to want to show everyone all the things that they're doing, it has uh, kind of a lot of what you were talking about earlier. It has made me think, oh my goodness, that much, that much mm-hmm. and more the heavenly father towards me and towards yeah. our church here in Boynton Beach and churches around the globe as he looks at his children just doing simple things um, mm-hmm. nothing extravagant you know we don't have to memorize Leviticus for God to smile at us which is I think my like vent is that we have to be these like extreme uh, you know Jim Elliott Christians for God to just to even look at us but no, he's just uh, filled with so much uh, delight and joy over just us going to him, you know, early in the morning um, and praying or reading the word, just going to church, um, you know, just the simple things of the Christian life, um, just bring him that kind of delight that I have um, in my kids, but just, yeah, infinitely more. Absolutely. You said Jim Elliott, Christian. So let me tell you that that. For those who don't know, he's a missionary who was murdered and his lovely wife stayed with um, that tribe and that community. And it was it was actually a remarkable story. But you are exactly right. I think often we think that we have to be a superstar or have to do something Mm -hmm. massive, big for the Lord. And the Lord honors all of those things. Um, But one of the things that I have loved is in my study of God's word is studying Hebrews 11 and it's the Mm. kind of what you call a hall of fame of faith. And what I've recognized through that reading and, and learning more about them is that they were a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) They're in this hall of fame of faith. I think that's what the Greek says. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This hot mess in the new Testament. No, but seriously, these, they, some of them doubted and they, they, did yeah. terrible, um, terrible things. <laughs> and and yeah. yet the Lord counted them as righteous. And so I just, I just right. find it very encouraging. So let's talk about um, visible grace. Do you have a d- definition for that? Yeah. So, I mean, visible, I think we think about God's grace in the church. Like he has to, you know, squint his eyes or he has to like, uncover some some rocks to be able to find grace but i think as we look to the new testament which you referenced earlier is that you know if we are in christ and we are a new creation um his grace in the church is just clearly visible um you know it's even in the backdrop of of a lot of sin um and as we're honest about um you know, our lives and our church and churches around the world. I mean, there's just so much sin. And I think we can think that's how God, where God's focus goes and grace seems invisible to him. But the the image, you know, 
I think in images, and if it's not helpful to, to you or the listeners, just throw this out. This is not Bible. But um, the way I think about it is a, uh, a sunrise coming up. I mean, just like the little just you know, glimpse of a sunrise. Like that's where our eyes go. Um, our eyes don't go to the, the dark sky um, that's you know, filling up the expanse of the present moment. It's, our eyes go straight to just that little bit of sun coming up. And, you know, that's the the heart uh, of the Father when we practice just a little bit of grace um, through the power of His Spirit. Is it just visible to Him? Um, Mm. And so that's the visible part. We could talk about the the church part uh, in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, praise God that there is visible grace. We are talking to Kayla Batchelor, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Living by Faith. We are talking to Pastor Kayla Batchelor, and we are looking at visible grace. How do we see grace in the church? And more specifically, and probably much better, how does God see us? And here's the thing. I know, and as I was thinking about this, about this visible grace and and how God sees us, I think often we don't we 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 don't see it that way or we're clouded because of our own challenges and so i I'd, I'd love for us to dig deep into some of the challenges it, to seeing the church the way jesus does because i i i think even as we say this there are just people who are there's some stumbling blocks or hurdles so what are some of those hurdles to seeing grace in the church I'd love to hear some of the challenges that come to your mind. Um, you know, a lot of it just boils down for me to when I see sin in the church, I attribute sin to the uh, member's identity. Um, and I don't see them through the lens that Jesus sees them through, which is that they are they're in him. They're in Christ and they're a new creation. You know, first Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 5, um, you know, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so their identity, their fundamental identity is not that sin, but it's who Jesus is for them and um, what the Spirit is working out in their life. That's their uh, their identity. And so um, Let's the pause challenge there. Is, to, is to be able to think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you got? I mean, that's really good. <laughs> I was just thinking about how freeing it would be if we saw ourselves that way. I mean, I think <laughs> yes. so often we, when yes. we yes. think of our own identity, we will think, oh, I'm, I'm such a liar or, oh, I struggle with lust. I am lust or, and, and that that's is, right. yeah, that's what we, we walk around and carry. Woo. What would it be like if we, threw off that weight and enjoyed grace. And as I was thinking even about the word grace, I think we need to back up a minute because mm-hmm. I, I wonder if people even know what that means. What does it mean mm-hmm. to then look for if, okay, so say someone, you know that someone struggles with lust and they're fighting mm-hmm. that sin, but all you do is look and when you see them, 
maybe what what would it look like to just only see them in with the lens of lust and then what does it look like to see them with a lens of grace and then define that for mm-hmm. us grace mm-hmm. yeah yeah well i think you know there's been different uh definitions of grace that are helpful uh, unmerited favor or receiving what we don't deserve i think all of the those definitions are are good i think i've heard uh michael reeves he brings out this point well, that I think sometimes we think of grace as a thing, you know, like uh, I think he talks about in his book, Delighting in the Trinity, like their tokens, uh, that's grace is just, we just have all of these unlimited tokens. And he does a good job of breaking down uh, throughout scripture of how grace is actually personal. Um, that when we think of grace, grace doesn't come to us as a thing. Grace comes to us as a person and, and primarily mm. you know, Jesus Christ. And so when we think about grace, we need to think about who Jesus is for us and who Jesus is for, for others. Um, so I, the way I've put it together, um, if it's helpful, is grace is the personal love of God for people who deserve the eternal wrath of God. So we deserve in our sin God's just wrath um, for him to be a perfect uh, judge for him to be perfectly just he needs to punish all sin and the scripture outlines that that uh, punishment is his wrath forever in hell and what uh, god the son has done is he's entered into history and he's taken on flesh and he's taken the punishment that our sins deserve and he's given us uh, his righteousness that we don't deserve and it's all love and that's what that what covers us is is his love through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so when we look at our, when the Father looks at us, this is amazing, but when the Father looks at us, he doesn't see just all of the, the wrong that we've done, but he sees uh, his son, Jesus, and his righteousness. And uh, he sees his spirit working out uh, new creation life in us. And if we, as we look at ourselves that way, I think that then gives us the lens to be able to look at our, our church that way. So if someone's struggling with lust, yes, yes, that's something that they're responsible for that we need to help them out of and um, they need to be repenting of. But the reality is, is when the father looks at them, when Jesus looks at them, they are not, like you said, they are not lust. They are new creation. And um, because they still have the, the old man hanging on them like a disease, um, we sometimes see more about the lust than the new creation. But through the lens of Jesus, the way Jesus sees him, he sees someone who is free from lust and has the identity of someone who's pursuing purity. And that's where they're headed. Um, and ultimately in, in the glorification, when Jesus comes back, uh, it will be fully seen that they are, they are not lust. They are a new creation. I would be curious to yeah. hear where you would want to pick up from that and things that you yeah, think that of course. maybe I, I missed in your question what was oh, going no. through your uh, your mind? Yeah, so that no, that was it. I just was I was just thinking, and the reason I said wow is that I don't know if I have thought of, and I think this is harking back to what you said, Michael Reeves, who's an author, and um, in his book, I, I really love uh, Michael Reeves, and and just the thought that it's it's not just this like a token but it is a person mm-hmm. and 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 for some reason this 
this idea of, yes, we don't just have grace, but we have his righteousness. The, some For some reason, the way that you just communicated that, it's it's like it sunk in. And I wonder how many other people it might sink into to understand, wait a minute, that's right. I am covered in Christ's righteousness, but I am righteous <laughs> by by the grace mm-hmm. of God, what a gift! And so, mm-hmm. so I think that um, yeah. So I do, I don't have much to add. I was just thinking that it can be freeing for people, and how how much it would change our relationships if we truly did view per, a person as covered. But but still, we're we're going to struggle. We're going to we're going to struggle to do that, especially if that person mm-hmm. continues in sin. So mm-hmm. how do we how do we con- how do we continue to view them as covered mm-hmm. while also in- encouraging and 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 at times rebuking them right. um, for sin? Yeah, um, I think one of the, the great gifts that Jerry Bridges, mentioned another Christian author, gave us was his line about. Uh, preaching the gospel to to ourselves every day. And I think one way to look at your church through the lens of Jesus is to do that for other members in your church. And so preach the gospel um, over other members. And probably it, it should be the members that you find the most difficult. So I think everyone has those uh, faces in their mind, or maybe it's uh, people that you know that are in other churches now, um, and to preach the the gospel, the good news of of Jesus taking on our our sin and giving us um, everything that He secured through His life, death, and resurrection, and just consider what does that mean for you know so and so. And and so uh, uh, you know, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that when we preach the gospel to ourselves, it will help us have grace for others. It helps us to That's remember right. yeah. the, that, yes. and, and it really helps with humility because we are all running this race with endurance and we all need um, the grace to keep going. So, so we have been talking mm-hmm. about this visible grace and how to see it in your church. And it's interesting, but you write about the visible grace in other churches. Now, why did you think that was important for us to also see? Yeah, well, some of what I write about is honestly just out of my own failings. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you feel that at all in any yeah. books that you've written, but um, there are times where I have a um, an unchristlike view of the church I'm a part of, but then also I can look at other churches and maybe it's either um, looking down on them or or perhaps um, idolizing them. Um, you know, when I think about um, looking at churches that I think are doing things not as quote unquote well that I, as I think that our church is doing it, um, I can equate uh, maybe a, a pra- an unhealthy practice with the amount that Jesus, loves them or the amount he's going to use them. But I think just reflecting on there just um, been millions of churches that have done things that 
you know, I would say are are wrong in my own understanding of the Bible. Maybe it's a particular uh, ministry practice or even uh, some areas of theology that I would differ with them on. But it is a good reminder for me that the Lord uh, is more powerful than those differences and he can actually use them um, more uh, and, and bring out more fruit of the spirit in that church than even in the church that I'm a part of. Um, and so I think that's just been a helpful meditation for me as I think about other churches that I'm like, oh, I think we would maybe do things differently to remember, oh, the, actually the spirit can produce more uh, fruit in their church than in our church. And that has been a helpful way for me to kind of reframe how I think of other churches. Um, I could keep going, but I was wanting to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, thank you for wanting to hear my thoughts. But I actually think that what what you are saying, I've seen a lot on social media and I've seen um, where people are kind of just at war with each other pretty constantly. And that's what I kind of want to talk about next, because this mm-hmm. if if it extends to your churches, it probably also extends beyond that, because where I see a lot of the fracturing is from our 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 general culture and and so it's seeping mm-hmm. into the church and we cannot look at each other through the lens of grace we we are struggling mm-hmm. with that and recently mm-hmm. i i saw i saw just someone get destroyed on social media as a result of this so when we come back we will talk about it more soon mm-hmm. Welcome back to Living by Faith with Trillia Newbell. And I am talking with Caleb Batchelor, and we are talking about grace. It is an encouraging conversation and something I think we need in the church. And how does how does God view the church and how can we view our neighbor? That's what we're talking about. And when I was thinking about this in relation to other churches, I couldn't help but think about other Christians in general, because I've seen so much fracturing and division. And maybe, maybe it you touch on it in your your chapter on visible grace and disagreements. But wow, I think we need some help here. What do you think? Hmm. I know I need help. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I think. I, as I've uh, as I've reflected on my own life, I've I've noticed uh, a tendency, yes, towards just being so fascinated with disagreement. Sometimes even disagreements I'm not a part of, um, and and I think that there's a uh, a sinful fascination with um, people falling, um, yeah. you know, uh, pastors' failings. Um, uh, just kind of, I can get into this, uh, go down a a Twitter feed and just be so fascinated with their failings. And it made me think about a, uh, a talk that I heard way back in middle school. It's funny how you can remember things from, you know, a long time ago. And I remember uh, the speaker saying that our fascination with others failure is kind of connected to uh, how the, the ancient Romans would go to the gladiator games. And they just had this uh, interest in seeing, others just torn apart 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously we don't have that by God's grace here in uh, American culture, but we still have that same sinful heart in us. And we kind of go to our, our modern coliseums on Twitter, just, you know, scrolling down those feeds. We, uh, you know, I descend the, the steps of a modern coliseum and just spot out people failing. And um, it's, it's something that I need to, to repent of and, and go to the gospel with. I think as I've seen the track record of me wanting to get into disagreements or being interested in disagreements going on out there, if I find that going on uh, a lot, uh, that it's usually a way to distract me from my own failings. Uh, I'm not sure if, if I'm the only one here, but what I've noticed is that if I'm disagreeing a lot, that there's usually something going on, some inward turmoil in myself. And if I uh, don't address that with what Jesus has done for me, the other way I'm going to try to quiet that inward turmoil is to just stockpile my mind with enough disagreements that I'm a part of or uh, they're going on in broader evangelicalism. And that'll help me th- uh, just be distracted from the sin in my own life. So yeah, you've been mentioning it a couple of times that the way to look for grace, visible grace in others is first we have to, to preach the gospel to ourselves and to deal with our own sin through what Jesus has done for us. And then that will free us to be able to, um, one, not want to enter into disagreements as much. And then two, when we need to, which you know we will at times have to, that we'll do it in a way that's through the lens of the gospel and not our own wisdom or our own frustrations. And that's what I'm wanting to grow in. I'm far from it, but that's some of what I've been trying to to encourage my own heart and mind to to go on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I as you were speaking, I, I thought about this scripture, don't rejoice when your enemy falls. I think that's we see a lot of that rejoicing mm-hmm. or glout or gloating or resharing that's really discouraging and and hard. And I and it's hard being in ministry because you think Who's my friends? <laughs> Who's going to rejoice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with if something happened to me? But also, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you touched on some of our tendencies or what attracts us to it, and I find it interesting that um, we do. We have a lot of passions waging war in our hearts, and we're wanting, mm-hmm. yeah. And so our our attention span is has lessened, and we. We like drama, and so it can be kind mm-hmm. of a, a pill, appealing and a distraction and something to talk about. But there's there's so many different reasons why I th- I think we're drawn to to it. But it's unfortunate in the church, um, and I know one of the things that we say often, and it's unfortunate that it's become a bit of a cliche because it's true. But Jesus said that we. The world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. So for us to, mm-hmm. we, 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 I don't think, know if we take it seriously enough. And so mm-hmm. I, I wish that we would. I wish that we would. I wish that I would. Um, if I've ever been, you know, tempted to dive into those Twitter wars, um, for example. But this is, this is something that we need to help in. We need help in our visible visible grace and disagreements out there. But what about in the local church? Because 
churches, mm-hmm. they will split over disagreements. There's yeah, you we mm-hmm. saw it a lot throughout 2020 because of all of our various opinions about different things. So so churches split. How do you have visible mm-hmm. grace in your local church when you disagree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I should just include a point here that if you are a part of a church that is not preaching a, a true gospel, you know, a message that we cannot earn God's favor or his love, we need totally the, the work of Christ for us. If you're part of, quote unquote, a church that is speaking that you can earn God's love, uh, you can uh, be a better person, and if you're a better person, then God will accept you. If you're part of that church, then we should leave. And so there are things and, and times in the, the life of um, Christianity where people should leave churches, and, and even things that I would say are um, not the gospel, you know, that if your conscience has been pricked and you know maybe it's an issue over uh, baptism, or different ways the church is, is governed, I think there are some healthy reasons for people to move on to uh, another church. So I think that it's important to, to say that if you're looking for more material on how to think through that, Gavin Ortland's book, uh, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, uh, yeah. is just an excellent resource as, uh, that I found in um, being able to pastor people through, should I stay at a church or should I head on? So if you're a listener and you're thinking through that particular topic, I would encourage you to read that book. Um, But let's just say this is related to not those kinds of issues, but it's just regular, just the the sins that are common in every even healthy gospel preaching church. Um, I've just found help thinking through Romans 8. I feel like every, almost every problem could be answered in some ways by Romans 8. Um, What a great chapter. But Romans 8 Uh, verses 29 and 30 have been a good place for my mind to go to for our local church here at First Baptist Pointon. And what Paul does in showcasing the the expanse of God's grace in the life of a church, which is his grace in uh, predestination and regeneration, justification, uh, sanctification, glorification. He kind of runs the gamut there from God's grace from start to, to end, and, and by uh, start to end, it's, it's been God's grace from before the foundation of the world stretching out into eternity future. Um, and this has been a helpful passage for me to reflect on. I can just read it uh, now for us, uh, Romans 8, starting in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. This has been called before the the golden chain of salvation. And that's been helpful for me in the middle of just ongoing sin is to see uh, there may be sin in our church, there is sin, but one day God will glorify those who he has justified. And uh, I can rest there. Mm, Amen. We will be right back. Stick around.
Welcome back. I'm Trillian Newbell, and we are enjoying talking to Pastor Kayla Batchelor on Living by Faith here. And, you know, we've been talking a lot about visible grace. And you have a chapter on visible grace in action. I wanted to dive into that. What does that look like? Yeah, so I just finished off. It's helpful for me to think of practical steps moving forward. And so, yeah, I've um, seen uh, seen help in just kind of having some action steps moving, moving forward. Uh, I'll just list off the ones that came to my mind. We could just keep going here. Go but, for it. Um, I, I had uh, uh, commit to a church, eat with your church, pray for your church, text your church, gossip about your church and other churches, connect with other churches, uh, disagree infrequently, and disagree occasionally. So eight different practical steps to kind of finish off the book. And okay, again, not many people. Going, but... Yeah, not many people encourage you to gossip. So tell us more. Let's lean into that. Let's <laughs> yeah. lean into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'm, uh, I attribute that to Mark Dever. I've heard him uh, use that word gossip in a positive way. Uh, yes, yes. Healthy, healthy churches should be marked by conversations about other members that may not even be there, but just ways they've been encouraged about God's grace in their life. And we see that with Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's just doing that all the yeah. time, talking about other churches, other members in, in churches that, you know, um, the church he's writing to may not even know very well, but he's just lifting them up. And, uh, you know, Second Thessalonians 1, 4 says, therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches mm. of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. So, yeah, I mean, just all these churches he's going to, just talking about the Thessalonians, that they've had this, like, uh, data bank of God's grace in the Thessalonian church, just Paul gossiping in a, uh, in a godly way. I love that. That is such, I'm going to take it. I'm going to use that as well. So now <laughs> I just, I love that idea of encouraging one another really is what it is and building each other up, using words to build people up rather than tear them down. That's the kind of gossiping mm -hmm. I want to do. And I pray that I will do that. And I love that you, um, I love that. I love that as a, one of your practical ways of, taking this idea of visible grace and putting it into action. But one of your steps, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how would an individual do that? You say to connect with other churches. Now, are you talking to pastors? Or are you talking to people like me, lay, lay people? Yeah, I think both. I mean, there's some things within that section there that would maybe apply to pastors, like being able to pray for them, you know, during the Sunday morning gathering, you know, praying for an area church. And just the other day, we were uh, praying, uh, our senior pastor, Jeff, uh, prayed for a, a Presbyterian church just right down the road from us, a gospel yeah. preaching Presbyterian church. I think it was just like a helpful way for the rest of the church to know, like, yeah, we're encouraged. We want <laughs> Presbyterian churches to do really well, uh, even though we're Baptist. And so that doesn't mean we can't pray for them, though. So that's one thing that a, a pastor could do that maybe a uh, individual member may not have that uh, uh, authority to to do on a Sunday morning, but we can they can still pray for Absolutely. other churches. You know, as they uh, they meet uh, people in their city, 
uh, as I meet people in our city and uh, come across, uh, you know, finding out that they go to a different church, just being able to say, hey, is there a way that I could uh, pray for you guys? Uh, an encouraging story of God's grace in your church that I can thank God for. And that's something that every member can do. Um, one thing that I think we could also do is just recommend other churches. So, you know, people are visiting your church and it's so tempting to want to just pull them in because uh, you love your church and that's a good thing. But I think it's also a good muscle to work to think of, you know, what this person's story is, what would most serve them, and also get a chance to put on their radar other good churches in the city. So, you know, being able to list off as a, a member three or four good churches, say like, hey, so, you know, so-and-so church, uh, they are just, I think, exemplifying God's grace in this particular way. And so you could think about visiting that church and just being able to, again, kind of gossip in a positive way uh, about them. And one other way that anyone can do this, especially during the summer when people are on vacation is just visiting other churches. So, you know, if you're going to go, um, go on vacation and you're going to be on vacation over a Sunday, being able to plan out in your vacation time to go visit another church and just be encouraged by what God's doing there, being able to meet some of the members and just encourage and pray for them. So those are a few things that anyone can do. I really love the idea of having in your back pocket, a few other churches that you can encourage people to go to, because one of the things that I have been, and my, my husband and I have been committed to is being in the community where our local church is, because it's easy, mm-hmm. it's easier to, to dive in and to be a part of um, the life of the church when you live near where you go to church. And I know mm-hmm. that there's so many people who travel 45 minutes to an hour to go to a church. And and I would not in any way shame anyone who does that, but I do like the idea of having something in your back pocket where you can say to that person, hey, actually, you have a church right down the street. You might mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. be encouraged to go there. And it's and it's such a it's it's really a kingdom and a heavenly I- idea. So I love that. I love that because it's so often we want to hang on to our people, but but that that's a kind of a I think a missional way of thinking about um, our relationships with one another. So thank you for that. I love that tip. So towards the end of most episodes, I want to share some good news. The Apostle Paul, mm-hmm. inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote in Philippians four eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. We are in a world that's filled with bad news. As a matter of fact, we just had a whole conversation about really good news, but in there we talked about social media where there's lots of bad news. So, Caleb, what is something you have seen or are learning that is true, lovely, or honorable? Oh, man. So many, so many things that God has been so kind to show me recently. Uh, one encouraging story, and I could turn this into a prayer request. Uh, just recently, over the past couple of weeks, I've had a chance to do some uh, premarital counseling for a couple who are not believers. Uh, there is a, a pastor up in Missouri. He's going to, um, Lord willing, uh, marry this this couple. Um, 
but before he marries anyone, he wants them to have premarital. And so he looked down at churches in our area and found ours and reached out to us. And, you know, again, they're, they're not Christians, but um, they were willing to meet up with the pastor and go through premarital counseling. And so, uh, and also they agreed to read Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage, <laughs> which is just incredible. really a book about the gospel. And so they've been reading through it. We've been meeting and I, you know, I wouldn't be able to say that they're Christians now, but I'm seeing so many encouraging signs that is particularly um, in this woman, Liz, she has just been disenfranchised with any form of religion for decades. Uh, she's in her early 40s. And for the first time, it seems like she is softening to mm -hmm. the gospel. And um, I think I could, we could be seeing uh, regenerating work of the spirit in her life and just continuing to pray for her. And if you would continue to pray for her and her uh, fiance, Brad, um, they're wrestling with the claims of Christ. And yeah. I'm seeing a, an interest there that seems to be genuine. So yeah, that's been encouraging and also just something to pray about. Amen. The gospel has power. I became a Christian mm -hmm. at the age of 22. Someone shared the gospel with me. I believe that the Lord still saves. And so I am so honored and happy to pray for you. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll pray right now. Lord, I pray that you would do something in the heart of these cup, this couple. Lord, I pray that you would give Caleb wisdom and grace as he is leading and talking to them. You are a God who saves. Lord, I pray you will mm -hmm. save this couple. But thank you for this good news and the grace that um, you have given Caleb to encourage and meet with this couple. May it bear much fruit. Thank you, mm -hmm. Caleb, for coming on mm -hmm. the show. It oh, thank you, was a delight. So I would like encouraged to encourage by your ministry, sister. Oh, thank you. Also, thanks to the behind the scenes team at Moody Radio, my producer, Karen Hendren, and my engineer, Courtney Young. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at livingbyfaithradio.org or on the Moody Radio app. You may also connect with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Living By Faith. Living By Faith is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.